us down to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the last comic shop podcast. We open the shop up to newbies in order to help them find their way under the comic book tent. And we keep the lights on. <laughs> he got into Christian Bale Batman territory. All right. Yes. I, that I can do. <laughs> Where's the lights on for the oldies? All right. Welcome to the last comic shop. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott. And as you could kind of tell, maybe. We were doing our best impressions of Rorschach, because that is the book we're going to be covering. Tom King and uh, Jorge Fornes's maxi-series, Rorschach. Wait, wait, wait. We didn't let Mikey do his Rorschach. I screwed it up. Well, no, uh, my Rorschach is for the Lower East Side, so he's kind of like um, Rorschach's journal, July 1st. There's a dead dog in the alley, and it's terrible. <laughs> Does anybody have any beans? That's what what Moloch. That in the refrigerator. Really it's fine. He'll keep for like a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, See, now from now on, every single time I read Watchmen now, that's what I'm going to hear. It changes the whole... The whole yeah. it, it's a whole new level. Give me back my face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. But yes, we're, we're talking about Tom King and Jorge Fornes' uh, Rorschach 12-issue maxi-series out of DC's Black Label. It finished up last year. And this is actually a culmination of a couple different shows. So it is kind of a treat for those folks that listen to The Last Comic Shop regularly. If you remember, several months ago, we had Mikey Wood on the show. We were doing Eternals. And when we got to the recommendation section, Chad said, I have read this Rorschach book Tom King put out. They said, I don't know if it's good or not. And I wanted someone to help me. Right. So a couple weeks later, we did another Tom King uh, series on this show. We did Strange Adventures. And at the time, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to finish Rorschach to see if I can help Chad out. And so I came on the show and I said, oh, I like this more than Strange Adventures and all this other stuff. And Chad said, said, no, no, that's not it. That's That's the wrong answer. So at that point, we kind of put the brakes on everything. And we said, we got to get J.A. to read Rorschach and be kind of like the tiebreaker for all of our fans. Like, is Rorschach good? Is it not good? Is it whatever? And since we're doing a DC book and we haven't had one in a couple of weeks, we thought we'd bring back Mikey Wood, who knows a lot about Watchmen. And a lot about Rorschach. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny because this, this, I actually had a friend of mine actually unfriend me over this, but I, I don't treat Watchmen with this reverence and 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 all this stuff that other people. I mean, I mean, I love it, but it, the the whole Alan Moore thing. There's this whole thing about the, the the contract and and how it's people using other people's characters without realizing that the Watchmen is Alan Moore using other people's characters. <laughs> made his career using other people's characters like the league of extraordinary gentlemen is all other people's characters. but anyway there was a big stink when the before watchmen stuff came out i thought they were really good comics and i think i think rorschach does the same thing in a different manner like it's it's a hard book to explain i think it fits really well between the watchmen graphic novel and the watchmen hbo miniseries and they actually make a comment we'll talk about that later on they make a comment that kind of hints to something going on there but if they're good stories and they're done well by people who care about the original and actually respect it you know i'm all for it yeah i think i agree with you mikey i like the idea that the universe that watchmen created that people can you know respect it and play in it I don't think it's this this piece of China you have to put away and you get out and you dust it off and you look at it and then you put it back and you can't do anything else with it. And I think it works well when they expand on it within that universe. And that's what I thought I liked about Rorschach and what I really liked about the Watchmen HBO series is while they have some of the characters and they have some of the – they totally, totally different story. They went on a totally different tangent. It's good comicking. All right, let me pick up with the curmudgeonly position here because uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I have a couple reasons. Now, I will say I don't mind the HBO show, which I watched the first episode. I thought it was fantastic. And even the Rorschach miniseries we'll talk about today, I do like it's deferential, but it doesn't worship at the altar of Watchmen. And yeah. so because of that, it can be its own thing and tell its own story. And it can stand alone. You don't have to have had read Watchmen to read Rorschach and you're not going to be completely lost. Right. And I would, I would place this little seed into your, your brains is that it is actually about people who are too 
reverent to Watchmen. Yes. But yes. to put a pin in that, I do think it's icky just because the way the original Watchmen was set up with uh, Moore and Gibbons and the deal was as soon as it goes out of print, the rights revert back to Moore and Gibbons. And so DC kept the book in print in perpetuity. And so when you actively have one creator where you're going against their very public wishes to not use these characters, like DC has the other characters, they can play with Captain Adam and they can play with the question and they can play with the characters that the Watchmen characters are based off of. And so I do think there's an element of ickiness every time they do a new Watchmen property. And I, I think this is something that's a problem with me and DC in general is they have so many properties to choose from, but they only go back to like two or three all the time. And as Watchmen steps up and becomes one of those, it's like, come on, fuck. <laughs> well, you know, Watchmen's also been kept in print because people keep buying it. Unfortunately, the comics business is a business and people are kind of dicks. And Gibbon seems to have embraced it. You know, he seems, right. he's like, what are you going to do? People love it. Yeah. And they, they made the deal. I yeah. mean, if it was something DC had to do, I would get it more. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I'm being hypocritical because I love Spider-Man and Captain America and all the old Marvel characters. And Lord knows Marvel has had lawsuits with the creators about rights and things of that nature. But it's yeah. just a matter of Marvel doesn't have another Spider-Man they could go to. They don't have a Spider-Man that Spider-Man was based off of. DC, like they own the Charlton characters these came from. Yeah. They could just as easily burn those guys and do the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, the whole reason why they're using the Watchmen characters because it's Watchmen. Because it's tied to that massively popular, massively selling property. So you can make the Rorschach story with other characters, but then it wouldn't be a Watchmen story. It probably wouldn't have sold as well. I mean, there's a business reason for all of it. Yeah, I get it. Doesn't make it less icky, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Well, I think I'll be the final thought on this that, like, again, when it comes to Watchmen, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the original. And, and it, like Mikey Wood, it's one of those books that I try to read every single year just simply because I still am getting more things out of it every single time I read it. Just little things here and there. And, and I'm one of those people that, like, honestly, like, I watched the HBO show and I enjoyed it. I, I read some of the before Watchmen uh, books and I enjoyed it. I even am going to recommend later on the show Doomsday Clock, which I liked parts of. Everything still is, though, a pale comparison. And that's that's really at the end of the day. Like, I'm still not eating the gourmet cheeseburger. I'm eating somebody else's cheeseburger that they just happened to put the Rorschach paper on. And 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 sometimes those are those are tasty. And I think to Chad's point, the more kind of move away from Watchmen, the less fake it seems or the less you know rip-offy it seems and so like that's just my take but we're gonna get into the rorschach book today and i really did enjoy that one spoilers so stay tuned for more of the last comic shop right after these commercial breaks with our review of tom king and jorge fornes's rorschach series greetings henchmen and loyal subjects i am evan the great now i'm jvd we're your host of the fictional battle podcast crossover collision brought to you by the villains demand if you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out mine. My name is Dave and I'm the host of Beer in Front. My podcast is just enjoying the beer that's in front of you. Sometimes we forget about a classic beer while we focus on the new trendy thing. What I try to do each week is to enjoy an old school classic or have a beer that has potential to be a classic. I'll also talk about events of the day. I'll add my spin to things. And each week there are people that really annoy me and I'll call them out as the jag off of the week. That's Beer in Front, available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. Yes, we took one week off from reviewing DC Comics on our podcast, but now we're back in the middle of those trenches. It's all DC here in 2022. Well, maybe. Maybe if we get Mikey Wood, I can stomach a couple more DC books over the end of the year. But you know me, make my marvel. But on today's program, we've got a honey of a great DC comic, uh, and it's my recommendation. We wanted to go back and we wanted to revisit 
the Rorschach series that was that wrapped up in 2021. For those folks that know our show, we love Tom King books, and we've reviewed a, a bunch of them. Uh, so, Chad, other than Tom King, who else worked on the Rorschach maxi series? Okay, so as you alluded to, this is a 12-chapter maxi series. Tom King was the writer. Jorge Fornes did the interior and cover arts. Uh, Dave Stewart, which you might remember from Hellboy fame, did the colors. Clayton Cowles on letters. And they would have a host of variant covers along the way as well. So I, I know that we've done some books by Tom King on this podcast, but we, this is the first time we've done a Jorge Fornes book. Chad, what's your experience with him? Like, I know that you've read a couple of books by him. Yes. And so Jorge Fornes, when I first encountered him, he was doing some Batman issues. He did a really great Batman annual that I remember uh, passing off to Andy. Be like, you have to read this stuff. It's great. He looked like Dave Mazzuchelli. And he was doing books that Dave Mazzuchelli would do. He even showed up on Daredevil. He's popped up recently doing issues of Amazing Spider-Man. You know, we don't get Dave Mazzuchelli comics anymore. And it's as close as you could come to that. And then whenever I saw his cover for issue number one of uh, Rorschach, even though, as I alluded to earlier, I'm like, ah, Rorschach, it's icky. I'm not a big fan of Rorschach as a character. But I saw that cover with the fingerprint in, like, a 70s style, like, detective yeah. show. And I saw Jorge Fornes' name, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. Yes, it was very 1970s grindhouse. I was like, man, they're getting a lot from Quentin Tarantino. I wonder if he's getting any money back on these. <laughs> There's that school of artists that sort of has the Mazzuchelli kind of vibe. Like there's Michael Lark did like Gotham Central and things like that. But it's still unique and it's, I don't look at it and say, he's just riffing on so-and-so. I won't lie. When I was reading some of the pan, I was, I, I actually started to get a little bit of Dave Gibbons. Some of the original Rorschach started kind of shining through at moments, whether it was the layouts and, 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 and I think that was done on purpose, but it's that minimalistic kind of uh, not a lot in the background I, I I wouldn't say it's even hyper-realistic. It's definitely a, a style. I, I don't think Fornes is as Mazzuchelli-esque on this book as he is in some of his other work. And while that's not a bad thing, I also think one of my big criticisms of this book is that it wastes Jorge Fornes. I don't know if he's the artist I would have picked for this book. And you mentioned, Andy, that you could see a little bit of Dave Gibbons I think that's my problem is I don't see enough Dave Gibbons. Like when I think of Watchmen and Rorschach, I think about like anger and stuff boiling below the surface and things like that. And you get that Gibbons-esque cross-hatching and the little aggressive lines that he'll use. And Fornes doesn't have that. Fornes in this, it's a little bit softer. It's not toasty enough to be toast. He, he's, I feel like he's gone away from that line a little bit for some more realism. But at the same time, I just there's something about this where I felt like it just didn't play to Fornes' strengths. That brings up an interesting question. Does a Watchmen book like Rorschach, does it have to follow the same exact formula as the original Watchmen? Or can you expand? Can you change things? Does it have to always be, you know, the panel grid layout? And and have to have stories within stories and have to have all of these allusions and allegories to comic writers and other things as this one does. And we'll get into that as we as we talk about the plot that which I should probably say uh, the 10 cent synopsis for. Yes, at some point. let's get to that 10 cent synopsis before we get down this rabbit hole too much. J.A., real quickly, what happens in this book? So it takes place after the events of the original Watchmen series and after the events of the HBO series, uh, and they allude to that. Essentially, there's a man running for president against Robert Redford, who is now going for his fifth term, I think. And there's an assassination attempt on this presidential candidate's life. The two assassins are killed. And they're both masked assassins. One of them is dressed like Rorschach. The other one is dressed like Annie Oakley, <laughs> essentially. And the entire book is essentially this FBI agent trying to unpiece and figure out who these people were and why they were trying to kill the presidential candidate. There's a lot of left turns and stories within stories here. And I, I was going to say, 
that I don't think you have to have that stuff to make a compelling Watchmen story, although a lot of people do, as I'll get to my recommendation later in the show with Doomsday Clock. Heck, Jeff Johns, even in between issues, puts like, you know, things that you're supposed to read like Alan Moore did in the original. And I was just like, eh, that's a little bit too much. But I think with this, this is just a Tom King story, right? If you read any Tom King, whether it was Strange Adventures, which I know we've all read on this program before, or Vision, or Mr. Miracle or anything, there's stories upon stories in all of his books. Uh, yep. There's little nuggets that you're supposed to th- pick out and things at the end of the story where he's got some quotation that you're supposed to read and you're like, okay. So in essence, for me, like Tom King was the perfect guy to write a Watchmen mm-hmm. follow-up because he writes very similarly to Alan Moore. He likes to write those kind of stories anyways. So it's not like he's homaging Alan Moore like I thought Jeff Johns was in Doomsday Clock. I think that he's just... That's his style, and it just happens to be a very similar style. So that's just me, but let's go around the room. Jay posed this question to Chad. So my answer to that would be no, and if you look at some of the before Watchmen stuff, I mean, you have people going off the reservation there from the the Moore style. You had Darwin Cook doing great Darwin Cook stuff. You had Lee uh, Baramejo bringing his style, and all these different artists bringing their own flair. There was a Qbert in there, uh, and all that stuff is great. Except in this particular book, you've got so much of it that is aping the style of the original Watchmen, and so much that's focused on that Rorschach character, that it's almost like, I feel bad because I love this artist, I just don't think he fit. They they got everything else but that one aspect of that art that has those extra lines to it, that extra little grit to it. I just felt like Fornes was a little too slick. Not what I would look for in a Rorschach book. I don't agree with that. But I mean, as far as does it have to follow that? No, I mean, I think it's um, I think it's almost detrimental if it does follow the art style of the original book. You know, I think these need to be sort of unique in some way, especially if you're if you're playing with other people's toys, really, you know, you want to make it unique. And as far as the writing is concerned, it is very unique to Tom King because Tom King, people bitch about this a lot. Uh, A lot of his writing deals with trauma, a lot of his writing. And I think that's actually what makes it really good is that I think he tackles certain things about the genre that a lot of writers don't. And I think that's, that's pretty phenomenal. But what's cool about this one is that it, this book isn't even about Rorschach. I think it's about something else entirely. And I don't know if we're ready to get into that part yet. Oh, uh, yes, we are. Well, oh, yeah, well, well, that's yeah, that's what I was going to dive into. I don't know if you guys ever watched the first season of True Detective, but when True Detective came out around like the third or fourth episode, there were all these theories about, oh, my God, it's going to be black magic or it's going to be like this kind of demonic thing or it's going to be like, because of the, the, the way the plot was going. When I first started reading Rorschach, I'm like, OK, this is going to be bonkers. And then I thought, Jesus Christ, you know, when they mentioned the fingerprints thing, I'm like, holy Christ, did Dr. Manhattan just turn Walter Kovacs into Steve Ditko? Is that what happened? Because he's Steve Ditko. I mean, let's right. like the book starts with Rorschach getting gunned down and Frank Miller is a character. And there's this seance that actually happened. The auto binder seance really happened, by the way, in 1974, something like that. And 19 year old Frank Miller was actually there. So. I started thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be some kind of bonkers, cosmic, something bizarre is going to happen. And in the end, in the long run, it's just a murder mystery that, you know, I I mean, the whole book is about people who are still dealing with the the squid thing that happened in New York. And they think that which was created by Ozymandias. So but they think it's a real squid and that there's going to be more squids coming in. And that's that sort of like it's just you could stand in front of one of those tally boards with the you know the strings that try to link all of the different conspiracy yeah. theories you could do that with this book my comment was going to be um it gets a lot into sort of these comic book creators that created you know batman dark knight or spider-man when i was reading it i, I had to look some stuff up sort of the history is that steve ditko went completely off the rails in the late 60s early 70s and yeah. was like and that Rorschach, less him, but more of his characters, sort of the, those Randian ideas that he espoused and really got into and objectivism and all this stuff. And Will Myerson is totally Steve Ditko. That's just so you've got Steve Ditko, you've got um, Otto Binder and you've got Frank Miller. And you could say, OK, it's a play on Frank Miller that the guy's crazier. 
in the comic, but I don't know because Frank Miller's pretty out there at these these days. Yeah, well, Frank Frank Miller, the the trauma of nine eleven. And and he'll say this, you know, he'll say this in in, in interviews now. The trauma of 9-11 drove him crazy uh, for a long time. And he did some really sort of ugly comics there for a while. Uh, And and you almost see that in this, that the trauma from the squid and everything and all that death and all that destruction, like, made him, you know. I don't know. I, I tried to look up to see if he's ever said anything about being in this book. I'm sure... Well, there had to be something. So there, not necessarily Frank Miller, but I did listen to an interview with Tom King, and he was talking about that seance scene, and he talked about how he had to go to Frank Miller and get his permission to use him in this comic, and you know, so he ultimately okayed it, and that was actually probably the most fascinating part of this for me, is because so much of the, the Golden Age of comics, I'm a little, I can be a little bit fuzzy on sometimes. But that seance where they're reaching out and it's Otto Binder, who was the guy who created Mary Marvel and Supergirl and modeled them after his daughter, who ends up dying in a car crash. As a result of that, he ends up getting it heavy into UFOs and having these seances to try to talk to his daughter and all that's, you know, real life stuff. And then at one point, the, the Will Myerson character is looking for was it Jack Cole. The guy mm-hmm. that invented Plastic Man that ended up yeah. committing suicide yeah. and worked for Playboy. But uh, there's a lot of neat stuff, neat little rabbit holes to go down as far as that comic book history stuff is concerned. And then that was one thing I had to keep reminding myself, is it's called Rorschach. And so much of the book is about seeing what you want to see in something. Whether it was those guys listening to those tapes and picking up those messages whether it's the detective uh, doing these interviews with people and it's it's how people are viewing and what they're taking out of these situations that might not be obvious for everybody. Uh, that part was fun. I'll give this series that for sure. I mean, again, when I first wanted to review this particular book a couple weeks ago, I, I mentioned that I, I, I read two books that week. I read Rorschach. I read Strange Adventures. And in that, I, I called out Strange Adventures was a, I thought it was very formulatic in, in the fact that it was it was kind of like a Columbo. Like Mr. Terrific says what the mystery is at the beginning of the book. It turns out to be the mystery at the end of the book. And that's the whole driving thing. There's other things that are going on. But really, you're like, oh, geez, really, that was it. And I, I felt like in, in Strange Adventures, Mr. Terrific didn't take any responsibility for what he was discovering, like and how it would impact other people's lives. In this book, because of the way that it's structured in this FBI agent that's like, again, faceless, nameless, as he puts together these things, it's leading him down a path, making him the next Rorschach in that he has to finish the job that these other people did. And in fact, he's been the one that's been really picked to be the next Rorschach. It wasn't even about them. They were like the sacrificial lambs to bring about the person that really was going to get the job done. It's like V for Vendetta. If you've ever, you know, I'm sure you've read V for Vendetta. The the detective character in that is so is is dragged so far into this thing. He doesn't become the next one. That's Evie, but still, so, he was the target. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's my next question then, Chad. Is like it seems like there are parts of this that you enjoyed. So. I guess, why didn't you like it? Like, Was it just because it was dealing with Rorschach or uh, it was just because the Hori Fornes art didn't fit right? Or was it a combination of those things? Well, to go back to our initial conversation about it, and this is one where it starts off with that murder and it's this guy going through and the, like the best parts of it for me were the, the scenery chewing, the little side stories. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like this was a satisfying story and i don't know if that's for me because it's rorschach and i'm not a rorschach guy this is where i wonder if this is just a function of tom king's writing because i found this with strange adventures i also found this was rorschach that it took a while for the build-up to set in the first six issues were like where is this going why am i reading this I, I was lost a bit, and then it hit its stride, and the last six issues, especially the last four issues, were really good, and I kept wanting to read and wanted to find out what was going on, and I thought it re- – but that that buildup, that first act was just – it was too murky. Too many chess pieces on the chessboard to set up the middle part in the last act, and I think he's really good at those last acts, but the setup – 
it's it was messy for here? me. Yeah, I did not like the first couple of issues at all. Well, I, I I was going to say that I enjoyed the first couple issues just simply because to Chad's point about like again this book this book being about people's perceptions and how like the world kind of can can morph and change you and like how that's really what a Rorschach test is. You see what you want to see. Like for example, one of my favorite issues early on, I think, is issue four with the strong man. Where basically this kid character who keeps on believing that Rorschach is going to come back and save everybody from the squids. And eventually she finds this Will Meyerson. But she thinks initially it's this strong man. So she tells him, she's like, you're going to be Rorschach. And the guy goes out and just like starts murdering people. Throwing him down elevator shafts and drowning him in bathtubs. And he thinks he's like doing the right thing. He's like, yeah, this is what Rorschach would do. And it's kind of like that, that thought process of like, you know, nowadays with characters like Rorschach or characters like the Punisher and they're like they're all about the violence and people are like, you know, that's what they do. They get justice that way when it's in mm-hmm. fact like there's a deeper meaning to some of these characters. In fact, really, the reason why they go about these things is because they're deeply disturbed. And so like yeah. in seeing Rorschach, you're kind of seeing your, your own deep psychosis <laughs> and that guy, yeah. it comes out in, in spades there. And, and that's just one of the issues. Like, that's why I thought this was deeply compelling. Because I think every single issue, you can find one of those moments where you're, there's somebody looking in a mirror and seeing a reflection back at them. And, and Tom King does a really good job, whether it's that or the issue with the three people. He, he interviews three people, the red, the blue, and the green, which I thought was cool. They're like, oh, we're waiting for you, buddy, because we're waiting yeah. for you to see what we're seeing. Yeah. You hit on a really good point that I was going to make, too, is that for me as reading it, I got part of it being a um, commentary about people who look at characters like Rorschach and like the comedian and actually like think, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. That's heroic. You know, the comedian is is a, is a horrible person and Rorschach is a horrible person. And, you know, I, I don't even know if there's a redeeming character in Watchmen when you get down to it. You know, but I think I think part of it might have to do with that hero worship and 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 about how how psychosis just starts to affect me. And you're right; it's a like a Rorschach test. How you perceive things guides the conversation, and you could see that in the detective character that he ends up interpreting the information in a way that was different than he originally started to. I don't know. It's it's it makes me think a lot, and that's what I love about Tom King's writing. So even like his Batman run just made me think more about Batman than I ever really did before. My problem with Tom King stuff is I love the Tom King stuff when it's tinged with that hopefulness. But like, this is like negative Tom King. This is like Tom King working through his stuff. And I, I don't see redeeming characters in this. And that's the part that gets me. That's the part that keeps this from being. Ah, I see. There's no redemptive arc here it's one of the reasons why the watchman is not one of my favorite comic books i recognize it's great but at the same time i don't like it ah see we just had a breakthrough that was chad looking at this rorschach book i I can't can we call it can we call it here on the show strange adventures was ultimately a hopeful book like the pikes war was going to end properly adam strange in the end i don't know to say he gets his comeuppance but like he's not the really the greatest character in the world and he ends up you know elena gets her daughter back and and mr terrific is like fair play and fair play ends up ruling the day in that one this is kind of like no you look in the abyss and the abyss stares back at you you're like you know and and at the end of the day these are all nasty people although i don't know the the the, i don't think the detective's actually that nasty what do you think what did he do at the end all right, well, I, we've done a lot of talking on this Rorschach, and, and we got to get to a commercial break. So stay tuned for our ratings and more talk on Rorschach. We're going to wrap this all up right after this break, so stay tuned. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, 
where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings. Yes, that time on every single show where even Tom King gets a numerical value. Why? Because he's Tom King. Is his work good? Is it bad? Is it good as other Tom King books? I, I think I mentioned that on a previous show that like sometimes I you know do compare Tom King books to other Tom King books. So I'm going to compare them here too. I got all the rest of these folks to help me. So J.A., how are we going to rate out of our one out of four scale this week? Well, this is a very appropriate one out of four ink blot. Oh, it's a very difficult uh, sound effect. It kind of sounded like ketchup, but... Eh, we'll go with it. We're going to save J.A. for last because he was supposed to be the tiebreaker. So we're going to start off with Mikey Wood because yeah. I don't think he has a dog in this fight. So he's going to say his and then we'll get Chad's and then mine. So yeah. Ch- and Mikey, what's your rating on this? So it's a four for me. Like, it's a totally a four for me. And I was going to say that, you know, Tom King, if, you know, if you've read about him, he's gone through enough where I don't think a rating system on a podcast is going to hurt him too much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, like, that guy, I don't. I haven't read a book by him that I didn't like. I, I, like, they range from like Grayson, all the way to like his Human Target. There is so good so far. It's like, and this is another one of those books. This book made me think. It kept me guessing. Sometimes you read a comic and you're like, oh, it's this. You know, like by the second or third issue, never, never figured that out. Didn't know where they were going with it. I don't think it's about Rorschach the character. I think it's about Rorschach the concept, the um, the idea. All right. Chad, what's your rating? All right. I concur with Mikey. This is not about Rorschach, the character. This is about Rorschach, the concept. And that's why I hate it. (laughs) It is such a cynical book. Everyone is the bad guy. And I was saying in our break here, I don't know how long it took me, but it wasn't long before I figured out, oh, the detective's a bad guy, too. Uh, We're just waiting for that to, to reveal itself. It had a lot going for it. It had some interesting characters. I like the kid. Uh, I like the Will Myers, and I love digging into the comic stuff again. It had interesting ideas. But at the end of the day, there are no good guys. There are no good people in this book. Not even good guys. There are no heroes. And boy, just, this is not what I needed. This is dark and depressing and sad and makes me hate the world. And uh, You're and just other, starting to hate the world? I know. It had Jorge Fornes wrapped up for a year. I could have had Jorge Fornes on Batman or Daredevil or whatever and enjoyed his wonderful art, whereas here I felt like he was like a watered-down... This wasn't Jorge Fornes' potential for me. While I recognize it's good, I also recognize that it's far too cynical, um, and I feel like people are going to inflate this one and make it seem like it's better than it is the same way they do with Watchmen. I'm going to give it... 2.75 2.75 ink blots. There's a spider, there's a pirate, and there's three quarters of a bat there, and that's it. <laughs> All right. I was I was gonna say though, because there was like a little bit of like that Hey Kids comics thing going on here. Or no. Ramada Clay. Yeah, where they give everybody different names, and you're supposed to piece that together. So I'm I'm glad to hear that you like that. All right. I'm gonna give this out a four out of four. This, this is Tom King at his best. And I think I'm going to call it a four out of four percent. Kind of the opposite reasons that uh, Chad didn't like it, which is that I was in the mood for something that didn't have heroes and bad guys. I actually don't think anybody was, quote unquote, a bad guy. They were just people. They were all messed up, you know, but they were people. It's like you watch something like Reservoir Dogs or, or Pulp Fiction. There's no heroes in that, but it's compelling. And it's compelling because it's just telling a story that kind of sucks you in. And that, that did this in spades. Like every single issue, to Mikey Wood's point, I was like, where is this going next? Unlike Strange Adventures, which I kind of figured out the plot, and at the end, yeah, that was that was the mystery. There you go. This, I was just like, okay, they're building up to this mystery that is re- revealed in like issue 10, and then you find out, no, that was actually just a setup for the real mystery that came after this. Flipping the script a little bit. And, and I and I appreciated that. And so, like, again, for issues like issue four, issue eight, with what it was called, I think it was called three-way or whatever, but it was three different interviews, and they're trying to piece together 
uh, these people that go out to the ranch or whatever. But there's like the red person, the 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 blue person, the green person, and I, I liked everything. They even have cups as he's pulling them out of the water cooler. Uh, they've got the, the the red tie and the green shirt and the blue hat. You said this one wasn't telegraphed in the first issue where Warshak tries to kill the politician. And then it ends in the last issue where Warshak kills the politician. But it's a different guy. Come on. Again, that's why there's not a bad person in this. Like, again, you said, oh, the detective's the bad guy. Well, technically, Turley's the bad guy. The the, the presidential candidate. They're the guy that shoots. Guys. They're all bad guys. But that doesn't mean that it's a bad story. You can have moral ambiguity. People, They're all murderers. Like, everybody in this book is murderers. It's just, it's a book about murderers. So you just kind of have to say, like, okay, this is no different than... You know, any other crime war story that I might have read. So, yeah, four out of four made me think. Great art. Great stuff. J.A., what do you say? So, took me a while to get into it. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace for Tom King. And maybe I just need to reread the first couple issues and I'll like them better. Because I really liked the last six. I thought by issue six, it just kept going up and up and better and better. I didn't have any issue with the Fornes art. I really liked in the last couple of issues where he is essentially talking to the scene and reliving what happened when he wasn't there and figuring out, you know, how this person was killed or that person was killed or or what the conversation was. And then he's interacting with those people like he's part of the scene. I thought that was really nice. That's something that you can do in comics. You can sometimes do it in movies, but it doesn't work always, and I thought it worked really well here. So I thought they used the medium in a really interesting way. We didn't talk about one of the greatest names for a character, which is Pontius Pirate, <laughs> who's the, uh, the, the Spider-Man analog, essentially, in this, because... Pirates are the superheroes in the Watchmen world because there were super, you know, he- superheroes exist. So everyone reads about pirates. Uh, and so Pontius Pirate, it's a great fun name created by the Steve Ditko analog in Will Meyerson. Um, if I have to ding it at all, I, I, I just feel that may- and maybe this is on me. So maybe I'm giving myself a little bit of an ink blot on that. But that's what this is all about, right? That's what a Rorschach test is. I'm going to go 3.75 ink blots because I haven't read The Watchmen more than once. I've read it once. I watched the HBO series once. And so I felt myself in the first couple of issues doing some Wikipedia. Okay, uh, going back to The Watchmen. Are these allegories back to that? Do I need to go back to that? And once I stopped doing that and I just appreciated the story for what it was, I enjoyed it a lot more. So maybe that's on me. Maybe I should have done some research and and found out that I didn't have to be so invested and concerned about what allusions they were making to the original source material. I should have just enjoyed it. And one thing that I really liked about this book and what I really liked about the HBO series is dealing with trauma of the squid attack, which I think is obvious to play on 9-11. I mean, that's that's pretty obvious at this point and, and which you didn't have in the original Watchmen. And I like that they've taken that idea and really compounded it and, and played with it. Um, so it's not just about the superheroes and the Cold War anymore. No, I, I will say as low as my grade is, I, I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed the conversation and this was fun to dig into. And I'm glad we finally reached a consensus that uh, Rorschach, you get out of it what you want. I want something else. <laughs> All right. Well, if you do want something else, uh, you can make sure that you check out some of our recommendations. Yes, on the last comic shop, every single week, we give you other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop. In addition to the Rorschach series, which you can get not only in issues, but in hardback. They do have it all collected in a nice hardback edition now. So uh, make sure that you pick that up. Now, I, again, with 2022, we're not doing recommendations like we used to, right, J.A.? No, we're just doing recommendations. <laughs> no more current stuff, no more similar stuff. No more. Although, I don't know, maybe all of these will end up being all of those. I, I don't. But uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with Chad Smith, who's got a recommendation for us, I, I, I believe. I do. And by old school standards, this would be my related recommendation or... Um, and this is actually a book that comes to me, circa recommendation from Mikey Wood. Oh, no. Uh, 
I recently wandered into a, a different comic shop than my regular, and I noticed they had all the issues of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, also written by Tom King, with art by Bill Kiss Everly, who I was unfamiliar with prior to picking up this series. And basically, uh, this is a story of a young girl who's looking to avenge her father who has been brutally murdered. Uh, and she runs into a coming-of-age Supergirl through some machinations and some uh, terrible things that happen to a dog. Supergirl joins up with this young lady, and they go on a journey across the galaxy to find this person and hunt them down. Now, to this point, I've only read six out of the eight issues of the story, but uh, it is so fun... The art is something, unlike things I've seen before, it's, it's unique, it's fantastical. It could fit right along inside a, a Conan book. It could also fit inside a heavy metal. Uh, it also is just fine as its own thing. As far as the characters go, the young girl that uh, Supergirl meets up with ends up being the narrator of the story. And that's fun, too, because you get to see things through her eyes and all that happens with Supergirl. And as she learns, you know, gets to know her. She's amazed and inspired by Supergirl, and Supergirl herself is fun and badass and tragic, and everybody hates her because of Clark, uh, everywhere she goes, and uh, it's reminiscent of one of my favorite comics ever. There's an issue in here that reminds me of X-Factor 87. I don't know if you guys remember that back in the day, about Quicksilver, Yes. why he was such a dick, and they called it Petro Maximum Syndrome, where if you could do things... You know, so much faster than everyone else. Imagine what life would be dealing with that. Well, they have that moment here for Supergirl where they talk about what her powers are and what her potential is and how much is she holding back all the time and what that does to a person. It's fun and terrible, and it has that heart, though, that I'm looking for in the Tom King stories. That's why it is my recommendation. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. There you go. Mikey, you're up next. What is your recommendation for this week? Oh, my gosh. I, I tossed it around so much, but I'm going to go with Avenging World, which is the collected Mr. A by Steve Ditko. So you have the question. Steve Ditko created the question. And Steve Ditko had said that the question is like a comics code, code acceptable version of Mr. A. You know, Mr. A has that whole objectivism stuff there like not even layered it's on the surface it just is the moral absolution uh, uh and randy and ein randian philosophy and all that take it for for what you will but it's just uh i mean he started doing the stories in 67 but he kept doing these until like the late 80s i think or even into the 2000s i, I can't but yeah so mr a it's, it's not very a uh, very well-known work by ditko because of its philosophy and it it's another one of those challenging books i I think you should read. Yeah, I think that's a great recommendation because, again, I wanted to read a little bit more of that. I've read some of the question, but I've never read a lot of the the Mr. A stuff. But like when you're reading uh, Tom King's Rorschach and he's talking about, I think he uses the citizen. That's as Mr. pretty much a. Mr. Yeah. a there. And I just thought they were really cool. And one of the parts of Rorschach was uh, the fact that like that kid character first endears herself to the Will Myerson character in Rorschach because she's like, yeah, I'm I'm writing you not because of Pontius Pirate, but because I like your citizen style. And he's like, yeah. oh, that's more personal to me. And so that's yeah. what starts their friendship in this book. So I, I think that's kind of cool that there's like a real life equivalent that you can check out. J.A., you're up next. If you enjoyed the uh, investigation aspects and the crime aspects of Rorschach, then a follow-up book that doesn't have any heroes or pirates but does have plenty of crime and investigations is Stumptown by Greg Rucka and Matthew Southworth. And this is about a private investigator in Portland, Oregon, who's named Dexedrine Callisto Parios. Oh! Uh, and she goes by Dex. And uh, the one that I read, which is the case of the girl who took her shampoo but left her mini. She's basically in hock to the local Native American casino for about $18,000. And the casino boss lady comes and says, my granddaughter has gone missing. I want you to find her. 
And so that kicks off and she goes and she's investigating what happened to this 19-year-old girl. Where did she go? While she's going and trying to figure out where this woman is, she gets beat up and then she gets shot. She's got friendship with a cop who obviously wants more from her than she's willing to give him, but he's still a really nice guy. She's very salty. (laughs) So it's just really, really well written. You can get the first volume uh, if you have a Comixology Unlimited account, they've been collected into several trade paperbacks, and I highly recommend it if you really like sort of crime noir books and investigations and that kind of stuff. And with lots of twists and turns that would do uh, Tom King proud. Uh, and uh, speaking of that, they, they actually made a, a what a TV series uh, based on uh, his Stumptown series that came out recently, and that was one of those ones that again, because it didn't have capes, people didn't know it was a comic book related TV show. Um, and so, like again, if you enjoyed the TV show Stumptown, you can go back and read the originals. Jay's recommending it on today's program. So, to finish off today's uh, program in terms of recommendations, again, I've alluded to it several times on today's program. It's Doomsday Clock by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank is the artist and uh, Brad Anderson. And uh, this really was uh, DC's attempt to not only end New 52 and Rebirth, which this book does, but also bring all of the Watchmen characters and put them into DC proper so that you can have basically Superman fight Dr. Manhattan and see who's the best. And in fact, that's the whole driving force of this entire 12 issue series is like everything's building up to Superman punching Dr. Manhattan. And I feel like, at the very least, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank did a really good job of at least trying to tell a story. Uh, I think it's actually the best that anybody probably could do with a concept like this. But I I, I won't lie, there were parts of it I didn't like. Uh, There were other parts that I did. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of those because we don't have a whole show to do that. But um, uh, I will say the one thing I really did like the entire way through is Gary Frank's art. I think I talked about earlier on a previous show that I really liked him and Jeff John's work on Geiger and their universe building there. There's a lot of universe building here. There's two great characters that come out of this in the mime and the marionette. He does also a really good job of making a new Rorschach that is actually, of all the Rorschachs I've read, he's probably the most heroic because he he actually does have a decent arc and he he works through his pain and ends up being a better character in the end. So uh, Doomsday Clock. For better or for worse, it ended New 52, which we all can say was probably a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what people's beef with the New 52 is at all. I really don't. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they, were, they were entertaining. I was entertained by the stories. They were good. Superman yeah, had I didn't even... pants. What, what, I, I, what is, I don't even know. I've, I've heard everyone say about New 52, but I... It was just another, I, it was just another, like, restart of things. Yeah. Personally, I think they should restart everything with, every time a new creative team comes onto a book, start it over again. I don't care about continuity uh, whatsoever. Yeah, don't they do that anyway? I, what are some of your New 52 picks? Oh, the Constantine book was really good. Um... Was OMAC part of the new 52? That one got canceled really quick, but OMAC yeah. was really good. OMAC was super good. Batman stuff from that era was really yeah. good. I read Batman uh, and Wonder Woman. Those are both the high points. And then yeah. there were a lot of low points I saw. In there. Yeah, Azarella's Wonder Woman was really good. Justice League Dark. I love Justice League Dark. Um, Court of Owls was new 52. Yeah, that was good. That was a good story. There's a lot of so, good stuff in there. Just like everything else, there's things that were hits and things that were misses. I mean, it's just like any other yeah. time. Anyways, uh, one thing that we hope is always good and consistently great is The Last Comic Shop. So we hope that you come back next week and you can do that by rate reviewing and subscribing on any of those myriad of places that you can find us on by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Yep, you can still find us on the social medias, specifically Twitter and Instagram, uh, at Last Comic Shop, where you can see our Wednesday polls, our daily comic book facts, uh, new comic book day pulls and all sorts of fun stuff. And you can also find links to our merch store uh, where you can get uh, a mug. We can't guarantee you that they won't come with liquid, but you can, <laughs> if you get a last comic shop mug or t-shirt every so often, we put out a special edition one. So maybe we'll have one for St. Paddy's day. Oh, 
You know, Mikey still owes us one. I do. He was was coming up with the design for our newest T-shirt that we're hoping to unveil soon. So he's working on it. I got uh, I miss drawing. I miss. I'm writing a bunch of stuff that we'll never see print. But I I saw you were working on some new digital stuff, though. Some digital art. How's that coming? It's. I was waiting to get feedback, and nobody's giving me any feedback on it. Aww. So sometimes it's like I wonder if people don't say anything because they're trying to be nice, or <laughs> you know, if people are like, "Oh yeah, it's fine." Um, yeah, I, I never, I never drew digitally on like an iPad using the light pen, or if they even call it the light pen anymore. I'm like so old. Um, but uh, it's cool. I kind of, I kind of like it. I'm kind of getting into it. Yeah. Well, speaking of Mikey Woods' work, yeah. uh, where can they find some of your older stuff, Mikey? Oh golly! Well, you can order the trade paperbacks from Amazon of Hate Your Friends and the the Pack of Lies, the Pocket Pulp Adventure thing that I did. My strips are still available on Graphite.com to read for free. Um, it's El Phantasma Volume 1. And you can also find his stuff on the secondary market, where it resells for a pretty big, nice set of coin on eBay. Yeah, it, for some reason, uh, people are reselling these things on eBay for big chunks of money. And, and I hope they're I hope they're getting that money for it. I really there do. Yeah, They I want your ash it. cans, Mikey. They want them <laughs> ash cans. They do. And before like, Mikey floods the market, you know where you might be able to find those? Maybe at a local comic shop. So you can always head out to your local comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com, or maybe you'll find some Mikey Wood stuff. Maybe you could look for Avenging World, the collected Mr. A. Maybe you can find some Stumptown. Maybe you want some Doomsday Clock or some Supergirl, or you want to decide what you see out of Rorschach. You can do all that and more at your local comic shop. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of The Last Comic Shop. Until then, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by my co-hosts, as always, J.A. Scott and Chad Smith, as well as the wonderful Mikey Wood. And we hope that you come back. Until then, stay safe, stay warm. And remember, we're not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with us. (laughs) Do all the sound effects. Comic Shop Wars, a 2022 Black Angus production.